This morning's scripture reading is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 25, through chapter 6, verse 10. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Damien, it is a privilege to be with you all this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend. Frankly, I'm surprised anybody is here on a Thanksgiving weekend, Uh, but what a privilege it is to be with you and to bring to you the Word of God, Uh, and what a great text of Scripture it is. And before I do that, I just want to say that last week I was uh, back there over in the kids' section, and uh, I I was here with you when the pulpit committee walked up to the front of the church. And I knew something was going to happen. Either it was a second exodus or maybe the rapture was going to take place. I wasn't sure. But I knew something big was going to happen. And in fact, something big did happen when they told us that Damien was going to stay, be the lead pastor of New City Church. And I clapped with you. I was so glad that that was going to take place. And uh, I, I too have come to really love you, Damien, and appreciate appreciate your heart and your head. Damien has got a 500 mile an hour mind. Have you ever noticed that? 500 mile an hour man, he's got the mind of a scholar and the heart of a pastor. And uh, that's perfect. That's perfect uh, for this church. Plus, Leah gets to stay, and they're a great team. So I am thankful to God. Well, this morning it is a privilege to look at 12 powerful verses of application in the letter of Galatians. And really, the guys that have gone before me have done the heavy lifting, they've unpacked this text in a powerful way, in a clear way, and so I get to spend time with the application of it, and the text has been read so well uh, that we can look into it right now. In a very real sense, what we're talking about is life in the Spirit, what it means to follow the Spirit, a life of love as the Holy Spirit leaves us day by day by day. And it's really a continuation of, of a theme that's come out throughout the, the book of Galatians, but it ha- may not be, have been as prominent to us un- until last week as Damien really went into the fruit of the Spirit and, and began to think about what that means for our lives and uh, how the gospel then leads into the fruit of the Spirit. But the theme of the Holy Spirit has been throughout uh, the, the, the letter to the Galatians. Now, whenever we talk about the Spirit of God, and again, Damien brought this up. I, I, whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit in church, some people go, oh, no. 
the Holy Spirit. Uh, what are we going to say? It's kind of one of those topics that in the body of Christ we're not always comfortable uh, with. If you, if you are new following Christ, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a thing where you say, Holy Spirit, well, I know I'm supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth. I've heard that. I, I know I need to do that. Jesus is our Savior, the only Savior, the way to a relationship with God. But what's the role of the Holy Spirit? How does the Spirit of God fit in to my salvation, to worship, to life? And then there's some of us who, uh, who some of you possibly got drugged here today and you're not a normal uh, member here at New City. You don't normally come to this church and you're here because somebody brought you here. We're glad you're here. And uh, you, this is a place where you can ask ultimate questions and think through ultimate things. And you're saying, oh no, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And you're looking around and you're saying, are there going to be snakes next? What's coming out in, in this situation? You just don't know. And then some of us have been Presbyterians since the time of the Reformation, and, 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 and we just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Even though John Calvin talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, we think, I don't know how, you know, and some of us are not free as we'd like to be. We see some of the other people here at New City and worship raise their hands, and, and the rest of you go, I don't know. I, I was raised Baptist, but I've been a Presbyterian so long, I can hardly get like this. The Bene- I see some of you going like this, I'm going, I wish I had that freedom in Christ, you know, it's just, and so, and so the Holy Spirit is one of those topics that, that we really need to understand and we really need to see in, in this text in a powerful way. Uh, and, and so what I want to do real briefly is to give a summary of what Paul has been talking about, about the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 25 through 26, and then look at three real practical applications of what life in the Spirit looks like. So let's, let's jump in. First of all, a summary on the Holy Spirit, and some of you who watch time will think that I'm probably going too long on these two verses, but it sets us up to go quickly into the application of, of the second part. Galatians 5, 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoking one another, envying one another. You know, there's a real sense in which this is, in a sense, the summary of the entire book of Galatians. It leads to a summary of the entire book of Galatians, because as we saw at the very beginning, Paul is pretty grumpy when he begins this little letter, and he's, he's not like he usually begins his letters, uh, I love you, grace to you, how are you doing? In this letter, he's grumpy, he's upset, he's frustrated, because the Galatians, by and large, have moved away from the gospel of grace. They've moved away to a gospel of Jesus and a gospel of Jesus and. I served a church in New England for a lot of years. And one day the lady would come to me after church and she said, are you going to come over to my house tonight for, for coffee and? And I said, coffee and? I'm from California. I don't know the language. She says, yeah, coffee and. You know, coffee, coffee and. Coffee and cookies and donuts. And I'm there. I'm there. I'm with you. Coffee and. But some of us, want a Jesus and. In other words, the gospel had not been enough for the Galatians. 
They wanted to add because the Judaizers had come to them and said, you're not really spiritual unless you're adding the works of the law to what your, what, what your belief in Jesus is all about. And so Paul has been very clear that if you have the gospel of Jesus only, you have the true gospel. And if you have the gospel of Jesus only, you have good news. But if you have the gospel of Jesus and, you don't have the gospel. And you don't have good news. Because the law of God is, is powerful in that it shows us the perfections of God. You read the law in the Old Testament, we see it's a reflection of the character of God. And it's wonderful who our God is. But the law of God in and of itself only leads us to the point of saying, that's how I ought to be. That's who God is. But I can't be that way because the law is a reflection of God and gives no power to us to actually obey it. So a gospel of Jesus and is no gospel at all. It's, it's, it, it, it's sad. And so uh, as, as Michael Allen was telling us in his sermon in Galatians 1, I love what he said. Remember when he told the story about how he had, had written that letter to his girlfriend? I don't think he's here today, but the, the girlfriend uh, when he was five years of age about Paul Revere and, and how he said that she, you know, the British are coming, the British are coming. And she... He wanted her to know that. Praise God for him, you know? Uh, <laughs> I love that. And he said, well, I kind of missed the point of the story. The Galatians had missed the point of the gospel. And so after calling, after calling the Galatians fools two times, and by the way, I tell young pastors, it's not a good idea to call their people fools. It's not good pastoring practice. But after calling the Galatians fools twice, twice, he says, he says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In the original text that could be translated, what, are you crazy? No, absolutely not. In Galatians, Paul has demolished and debunked once and for all this whole idea that law-keeping can gain us merit with God and that we can get in the kingdom by being good. We simply cannot. The Holy Spirit is the one. That's what Paul is getting at. The Holy Spirit is the one who has been drawing us to Christ all along. The Holy Spirit is the one who has helped us to see our sin, to help us see there's a God to begin with. To help us see that we need a Savior, that, we, that we've been trying to be good, but we've never been good enough. We can never be good enough. And so it's the Spirit who internally points us to Christ. And Scott, I love Scott in, in his sermon when he was talking about this. He said, there, he did a, a, a grammar story, a, a grammar lesson. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. The gospel, the good news is that Jesus is sufficient in all of what he did in fulfilling the law and taking our curse for us. Uh, and that's why Paul says in Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit. Actually, this, this could be translated since we live by the Spirit. Of course we live by the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and brings us to eternal life. J just, just like in the work of creation where the triune God Together is involved in creation. The triune God is involved in our redemption in Christ. The Spirit comes to us. And so Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. 
And here, when he says, keep in step with the Spirit, it's a different word than he uses earlier when he commands us to walk by the Spirit. It's this idea of being in a military rank and file, following in line. How many of you are good, are good in lines? How many of you, fo- don't raise your hand. But how many of you follow well? I, I'm terrible at that. I hate being in lines and I hate to follow. I have an authority problem. But here, Paul says, if we live by, if we have eternal life by the Spirit, then we need, it just makes divine sense to keep in step behind the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to know I'm not going to do that unless the Holy Spirit is in me. And you're not going to do it unless the Holy Spirit is in you. The reality is, is that it's the Holy Spirit that causes, that brings us to Christ, seals us in Christ, keeps us in Christ, and makes us want to follow Christ by following His Spirit. Jeremiah 31, 31 said that one day the law would be put on our hearts, and in Christ it is. How many of you woke up this morning and said, today's a great day to sin, I think I'll sin? No. You're a follower of Christ. You don't want to, do, you sin, I sin. We don't want to, but we do, but, but our heart's desire is to follow, and that's because of what the Spirit does. Now, how do we know if we're walking by the Spirit? This is Damien's sermon last week. The, if, if, if we're in step with the Spirit of God, then, this, then the, the, the Spirit of God's fruit is in us and through us. And so we won't have the deeds of the flesh. And then Paul goes on. Thank you, Paul. Uh, illuminating these. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envies, drunkenness. Did you memorize this list last week? And then he says, and things like these. So he's not even finished. I, I know I'm following the Spirit if the deeds of the flesh are not prominent, but the deeds or the fruit of the Spirit are more prominent. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and here we see that this is what Daniel taught us last week, that as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we can say, well, if that's there, then... By the way, that's the way God treats us. This was, this was a powerful truth that I got last week. I never thought of it quite this way. That the fruit of the Spirit is how God treats us. Did you catch that? Wow. And so as we follow the Spirit, that flows through us to other people. Powerful. The, the truth is that the fruit of the Spirit is developed in community. How do I get this? It's developed by the Spirit in us and through us, but in community here in the, in, the, in the church, in the body of Christ. I learn these things. I grow in these things as I interact with you and as I interact with God's people. Uh, uh, there's a profound selflessness about the fruit of the Spirit in the same way that there's a profound selflessness about the gifts of the Spirit, We are not given gifts to teach so we can go home and teach ourselves. We're not given gifts of service so that we can go home and serve ourselves. Any more than we're given the fruit of the Spirit that it would just be about us. Uh, The character of Christ flows through us through the Spirit so that we can exhibit that and live that in the context of people together. And so so Paul says in Galatians 5.26, as a summation of all this, he says, so let us not become conceited. 
provoking one another and envying one another. And the reason he says that is because the Galatians had gone back to a Jesus and kind of Christianity. And when you go back to adding law to grace, then several things emerge. Uh, What emerge, first of all, is competition. Guys, we like competition. I'll compete on anything at any time with anybody, including my my 23-year-old daughter, Jessie, the warrior princess. We're playing a game of cards, and she's back. I want to beat her. I want to win in Jesus' name. I want to bring just that much shame in her life. I want her to know. But you see, when I'm competing, that, 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 can, that can bring a wall between us. <laughs> she beats me too often in cards at any rate. But see, when I add Jesus and when I go back to the law, then competition happens, comparison happens, self-promotion happens. Catch this, self-righteousness happens. And that's what was happening in the churches in Galatia. He says, you guys will become conceited. Why? Because you, it's a Jesus and thing. And all of this comes up. And so when we're following Jesus and, we, we, we become this way. Now, this is a huge setup for how life in the Spirit is completely different from that. And so as we look at this text, we see how, how if we really are following the Spirit, there are three major sort of practical applications that come out of that. And uh, it's really powerful. Life in the Spirit has at least these three. This is not the exhaustive list in the New Testament, but it is a powerful list in the Bible. The first thing that comes out of this, life in the Spirit, where we understand grace, a grace that is energizing us to follow the Spirit, the first thing that comes out of this is restoration, verses 1 through 5. If any of you is caught in a sin, brothers and sisters... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anybody thinks he's something, he's nothing. These are powerful words. But but when the Spirit of God is moving through us and we're keeping in step, we're following him by his grace, restoration in the body of Christ happens. There's something that happens in the church when someone... uh, is caught up in a particular sin. Have you ever been caught up in a... Again, this is not a time we're going to pass the mic. It, but it is a time where... What do you mean caught up in a particular... There are times when as we follow Christ, we say things we shouldn't have said. Have you ever said something and you're going, no, 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 you're trying to pull it back? You do things... Before you really thought, you're caught up. And that happens. Happens to all of us. And notice in this text, we're going to see a lot of commands. Because we're in the part of the epistle where he's already talked about what Jesus has done. He's talked about the work of Christ, the indicatives of Christ. And now he's getting to the applications or the imperatives of of the logical outflow of of what grace brings. He says, when when somebody is caught up in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore them. Now, spiritual doesn't mean perfect. I'm so glad of that. Spiritual means following the Spirit, basically. That the general trajectory, you're, we kid a lot about this. If you were spiritual, you would have been here on time. If you were spiritual, you would have tithed. You know, we kid about that a lot. But the reality is, a spiritual Christian is somebody who's basically following the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, 
if you're following the Spirit, then, then you'll restore someone who is caught in a transgression. I can't believe I did that. And the idea of restore is kind of like a surgeon setting a bone. It's kind of like this idea of, uh, of helping the other person get right after they did it so wrong. Uh, one of my friends at Forge, which is a ministry to men that I'm a part of, is a, is a guy you would love. I really think you would love him. He is an accountant. He's a CPA. He's a CPA with a mohawk, I want you to know. And he's the most unlikely kind of CPA you'd ever want to meet. But he came to one of our meetings the other day and said, I got great things happened. I got a great deal that came through. And then we didn't see him for the rest of that next week. We didn't know where he went. He went dark on us. We texted him, how you doing? What's going on? Where are you? And he, he was just gone. A week, uh, a week and a half later, he shows back up at the table, kind of uh, bowing his head. And we said, well, what happened, man? He goes, well, I made all this money, and I thought I'd celebrate. And he told his story. He went out and celebrated in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong bars, in all the wrong places. And he'd done all the wrong things. And so around the table, because I'm a PCA minister, I hammered him with guilt as far as I possibly could. The guys just said, man, don't do that again. Call us when you get tempted to do that. We're your brothers, man. And then we gave him grace. We put our arms around him. And we hugged him. We set the bone in place. And the guy... He still has a mohawk. He's on fire. I mean, he's a Lutheran that loves Jesus. I mean, imagine that. It's a, and, and I was reading Luther in this text as I was preparing. And Luther said something very, very profound. He said, he said, therefore, if you see any brother cast down and afflicted by occasion of sin, which he's committed, run to him. Run to him. Reaching out your hand, raise him up again, comfort him with sweet words, and embrace him with motherly arms. What a passionate German. Maybe the only one. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That is the church. Isn't it? That's the body of Christ. And verse 3 is so convicting. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Now, I got to wrap this up because we only have a short time left, but I want, I want to pull this together by saying a couple of things and those second other two points really quickly, but I do want to say this. I, I'm reading a series of novels that I'm not going to tell you the name of because you'll think I'm unspiritual because I'm reading them, but I love the hero of the novels. He's, uh, he's a man's man. He's 6'5". He's, he speaks man. He's, he's, he serves. He's a war hero. And, and now he's out of the army. He does all kinds of great things. for. He's always serving people. But when he gets into certain circumstances, somebody in power will say, who are you? What's your name? And he'll go, I'm nobody. He goes, who are you? Nobody. I love that. It's about as enlightened a pagan as you can get. Life in the Spirit brings restoration. It brings appreciation. 6-6. Six, six. Let the one who's taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. And you guys get that here at New City. You take care of your staff and ministers, and we should. Why? So that they can take care of us, so they can serve us, so they can study the Word and minister out of the overflow and not always being stressed out. Let me tell you something about the ministry. I can say this now. 
been a pastor uh, back at the time of the Apostle Paul, I can say this. The pastors are either in a crisis, going into a crisis, or coming out of a crisis. Why? Because their people are either in a crisis, going into a crisis, coming out of a crisis. We got to take care of them. Um, my mentor's mentor told me that as a church planner, when I was struggling with, with money, he said God could have separated money from ministry, but he never decided to do that. So there it is. And again, Luther had a struggle with this. He read this verse and he said, well, everybody gives. Everybody gives money to God. And then he thought, wait a minute, no. Because after the Reformation began to kick in, he thought back and as he studied this text later, he said, hey, the reality is before the Reformation, people would give money and property and all kinds of things to the church because their, their way of life was a Jesus and kind of way of salvation. It was Jesus and the works of the law. I could buy my way out of purgatory. I could buy my way into heaven. So they gave stuff. And then after the Reformation, when it was Jesus alone, a lot of them stopped giving. And he went back to this text and he said, no, it really ought to be there. (laughs) It should. Life in the spirit is restoration, appreciation, and investment. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the... See, what this is teaching us is that now the Spirit leads us to invest in the right way, because, the way we want to. Whatever we sow, we reap. And the Spirit always leads us to reap, to sow, and to reap in the right way. Because it leads us to follow Christ. What a powerful text. Uh, we're fr- I-, I love this. Go back and listen to Damien's sermon of last week. We are now have liberty in Christ to do what? Whatever I want. No. I'm fr- and what I want as a Christian is what? To follow Jesus. And so I'm at liberty to obey the law and allow it to come through my life. Um, I was at Presbytery this week. Some of us in ministry were there at Presbytery and uh, the reality is, is that Eric Stites spoke, and it was great to hear him speak. And as he was talking about, about the gospel, as he was talking about his work in Paramore, he told about a young guy that came into his office and was in tears talking to him about his life, and his life was really a mess. And, and Eric, uh, so often as pastors, we don't know exactly what to say, but Eric looked at this young guy and he said, so how can I help you? What, 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 can I, what can I do? And, he, and the young man hung his head and just said, I, I, just, I just need to know who to follow. And Eric took his Bible and told him that he could follow Jesus. We see, the Spirit of God is safe to follow. And we never have to really worry about the Spirit this whole topic of the Holy Spirit. Because as we follow the Spirit, He always leads us to Jesus. And as He leads us to Jesus, He leads us where we want to go. Free. Free to be who He's designed us to be. That is worth talking about at Thanksgiving. And every day, you take it to heart. Let's pray.
Our Father, what a privilege to come into your presence. To be able to come to you and to recognize that you loved us before we loved you. You thought of us before we thought of you. And that your grace is more than sufficient. So we come to you now grateful that you've given us the Spirit who always leads us where we want to go and where we should go. God, apply these truths in our lives and we give you praise and honor in Jesus' holy name. Amen.